Hello and welcome to the round review brought to you by Footy Live and Sportsmate. And it was round six at the week. It only finished yesterday on Anzac Day. And my two best footy mates are with me to unpack it all. It is Gordon Hunter Meredith and Nick Gulliamino. Nicholas, you look very tan today. Did you get out in the sun on the weekend? No, I didn't. It's just the lighting here. We're recording a bit later than usual. Um, And yeah, I think it's just the poor lighting in this room. But, well, it looks good. I thought you might have got down to Tassie to watch your beloved Hawks at no, their, uh, their not their home away from home, their actual spiritual home after they sold their soul to another state. You love saying that, don't you? I, do. I think it might be our last one uh, down there, our last year down there. So I will have to head down there one last time, I think, before the season wraps up. Mm. And I didn't. I wasn't there this weekend, unfortunately. Gorda, you look rugged up. You got your beanie on as always. Is it cold down there at St Kilda? Yeah, winter's come, the sea chill's coming in off the Elwood Beach and, uh, yeah, time to get ready for the uh, tough slog that is the uh, weeks 55 to, like, you know, 16 before the final run happens. Question without notice. Yeah. Um, give me one word to describe round six. I'll go with you first, Nicholas. Um, round six. Uh, well, there wasn't, I didn't find many positives this week. That's so 10 words. <laughs> so I'm going to say uh, uh, disappointing. Oh, disappointing. Okay. Yep. Gordon? I would say uh, predictable. Predictable mm, even. That's another, By the way, did you get yeah. nine out of nine, did you? No, I only got eight because I tipped the Giants. Oh, you tipped the um, Giants. Which, you know, apologies, Saints fans. But other than that. Yeah, I think. And really, if I had a, I was looking for the upset. I wanted to get, get I need to catch up some tips in the early rounds. So I was looking mm-hmm. for the upset. But otherwise, I think it all happened the way it did. And as much as I like to laugh at Lee Montagna, he says like the rounds usually, like the letters usually set after round six or whatever. He's like, well, maybe he's not wrong. So yeah, well, there you go. Predictable. I'll tell you something that's not predictable. That's Nick Guglielmino. I want to know what his hero is. He normally goes from a game in which his team plays. So I'm going to see what he goes for this week. Uh, Nicholas, who's your hero? Yeah, well, I've gone Callum Mills only because... Oh, of um, course, they played the Hawks. Because, not because he played in the Hawthorne game, but because he achieved the uh, highest ranking point slash super coach score for the season, mm. which was... Uh, all, what, out of all the players? Yeah, out of all the players this season, yeah. 212, I think it was, 210 or 212 super coach points, which was massive. Um, and you wonder why. Uh, six free kicks for, oh. which I think must be a record, honestly. When was the last time we saw a player get six free kicks for? But it, it's the credit to him. because I cannot believe that you've you've branded somebody hero and then just cl- complained that they've won no, free kicks. No, no, no. It's it's, um, honestly, I honestly mean it as a good thing because he was <laughs> everywhere and he was in and under and he was tackling and he was intercepting. He had 37 touches. Uh, 17 of them were contested. So he was in and under all day at 92% efficiency, if you don't mind. Well, Kicked yeah. a goal. Um, going forward as well, he had 660 meters gain, which is huge. 11 mm. score involvements, nine inside 50s, six clearances, five tackles. It was just literally everywhere. But the thing I love about Callum Mills as well is we, we know he started his career off in defense. Yep, half pack flanker. Yep. And now he's transitioned into the midfield. Um, but he's kind of also brought that uh, defensive aspect of his game. Mm. Uh, he's, he's held on to it as he's moved into the midfield. He's intercepting possessions. He had seven on the weekend, 11 marks. 
And he's just a bit of an all-rounder, and I genuinely believe he's a Brownlow contender this year. Oh, look out. There we go, Callum Mills. Wow. He's been super consistent. I like what you said there. Did a job on uh, Tom Mitchell too. He can do a tagging role because of his defence, um, yeah. his defensive abilities. He obviously started back there, I think it was 2015-ish. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's, he has been consistent. I like that you highlighted him there, but I'm also impressed that you, you did uh, – he did find a way to um, bash a hero as well on the way out, saying he won too many free kicks. But that is very good. <laughs> I'm saying me. it's a good thing. Like when Luke, I, I, yeah. I'd honestly love to know what the record <laughs> is for most free kicks for for any player. Yeah, I, would be up there. I thought he was great, and Luke Parker as well. But a credit to all the Swans mids, I thought, because the reason why, I mean, they were getting absolutely smacked in the stoppage battle. Five goals to nil start. Mm. For the Hawks, I, th- I thought it showed a lot of maturity to be able to work back into the game. And I thought Mills and Parker especially were the reason that they got back on top. And then, you know, Buddy obviously kicked three goals, four, could have kicked seven. And then uh, the Swans go out and kick nine of the last ten. So that's a mature performance, especially led by Callum Mills. I really like that one from you, Nicholas. Thank you for uh, naming another Hawthorne game for us. Um, your your uh, hero, Gordon, have you got one? My, I've got my hero. And if you were watching the footy yesterday, as you should be, Anzac Day, after you've watched Carl Mills, you know, tear it up on both the uh, stat sheet and the game card, you get to mm. turn over to the MCG, the emotional game that it is. Yeah. And you get to see a blonde-haired guy that you can't miss, just tear it up. Bleach blonde, eh? Kick, kick five and just, you know, put the proverbial two middle fingers up in the air at the haters and say, well, have I won nothing yet? Jack <laughs> Dinovan, take a bow. Take a bow, my yes. young parent. Nine years old, he's doing something that most people will never get to do in their game, even in their life, and that's winning an Anzac Day medal. Mm-hmm. Just just hats off. All, I feel like since, you know, since he took the GoPro and said, how easy is this, everyone's been a hater for him, and then, yep. well, not everyone, media's been a hater for him. We've all loved some him, really. Yeah, yeah, some of them. The Pies oh, fans. Mainly Kane Corns, I think. Mainly Kane Corns, yeah. 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 And uh, he's come out and said, well, we won that. And people keep telling everyone that, you know, this day is like a grand final day, the atmosphere, the importance, the the regard it's held in both players and, and watchers, and he stood up. He stood yep. up and he kicked a bag of five. Without that, they don't win they don't really win the win game, yep. you know. He kicked a third of the goals of his team. So I think he's done something now and I think he can he can stand troll and be the rooster he is. But, yeah, yeah well yes. done. To take yeah, it good on him. I thought it was good. He goes down with uh, the all-time greats of Mark McGough and uh, Paul Siegeman for winning an Anzac medal. Um, he was fantastic. And I think, yeah, like you said, only 19. He he That's a song as well, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he played last year, obviously not a lot of fans, um, and he says that he actually enjoys it when there's more fans. And those type of players... There's something special about them. He does have a little bit of an Ackermanis about him. He invites the pressure. I'd say a bit of plays... Dane Swan. A bit of Dane Swan about him. Dane Swan about him. I don't, I don't yeah. think Dane Swan was that cocky early on. I can't remember. I don't think so. But maybe. Um, but he got, I like it when he gave it to the Essendon fans, told him to shush. I think that was a message to a lot of people who doubted him. But I love the way that uh, he puts pressure on himself um, to perform because I remember when I when I spoke to oh God, I'm like I'm pumping myself up. I spoke to Acker. I remember when I spoke to Acker. You guys listened. God, I edited it. He produced it. He said he liked to put the pressure on himself, and that was by talking a big game because then have to go out there and perform. And that's exactly what Gentleman does because he obviously knows that's what motivates him. Kicked eleven goals this season, and uh, he handles the pressure. So I think the bigger the occasion, the bigger the player, and uh, I love what he's doing. And Kane Corns, my friend. Um, he put the challenge out, and I don't like any comments from media that have a go at players for showing their character 
because that's what we need in the game. Mm. You know, the reason why they don't show characters is because the media jumps down their throat like we've seen from Kane Corns. We want to see it. Be yourself. Get more people to the game. Be a superhero. You know, so I hate it when people have a go. So I'm glad that he backed it up by putting on a performance like mm. this. So that was brilliant. My hero, little quick one because last week I already highlighted this man. I think it was last week, maybe in the week before, was Jack Higgins because he's performing and he is the new Stevie Milne, uh, the small forward who keeps on delivering. Um, he was fantastic. 18 possessions as well. He's kicked 14 now in six games. He kicked four on the uh, on Friday and uh, it was a game-high four goals. He kicked five the week before he's he's really having a, a real a really good season like a breakout season and now he's starting to he's getting under people's skin and that's what a good small forward needs to do so i'm really enjoying his game um would they have won without him yeah probably against, against gws but he has become a reliable man and because what i mentioned last week is that if they don't hit a target if it drops the ground you've got him there scooping it up so that's why st Gilda are playing really good they've got weapons all over the ground so my hero was Jack Higgins. Is there any um, any objections to that? No, I no. think um, he's, a, he's an early shout for the All-Australian team, it has to be said. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, and that's sure. an incredible turnaround after round one when, again, the media were coming in and saying that he should be dropped. Yeah, that was you especially. Team. I think you were the first one to say that. No, it wasn't me. I, I don't <laughs> mind him as a player. I think he's, uh, yeah, he's, I mean, he loves a goal or two, loves the snags. So, yeah, I mean, in five rounds, in five weeks, he's completely turned it around. So good on him. Actually, quick, that's right, Nick. He was he was down. I think Nick Rewalt actually said it, didn't he? Yeah. And then after the game, they had that little interview and he, he had that. Yeah, he said something about, oh, you used to be my favorite or I used to like you, Nick, or something like that. I had a cheeky little laugh with him. So I love I love when that, that stuff happened. Uh, were you yeah. a fan of him, Gorda? You like Higo. I was. It's very interesting to see his resurgence after leaving after leaving Richmond. Yeah. Because like, it kind of felt like you know, he didn't quite break into that team and now that's exactly what Richmond needs. Some, yeah, it wouldn't be, some wouldn't sparks, be some avenues, some snags. So yeah. uh, it's just funny how sometimes a change of surgery helps, helps you just you know, rejuvenate and resurrect your career and here he is. It does. He's been on the wave. He's been a highlight for those saners. Nico, what's been a highlight for you this weekend? This weekend, you called it, Jimmy. Did I? Adelaide. Oh, I did too. Winning. Uh, like I Gordo touched on uh, at the start of this podcast, there, there, there wasn't many upsets over the weekends. Mm. It was a pretty predictable weekend, but obviously the one that um, didn't go according to the script was the Crows upsetting the Doggies at Mars Stadium. And full credit to Adelaide because that is a stadium where the Bulldogs don't lose too many games at. and. Yep. I think by halftime, it was a very cagey game, low score, and I think it was it three was. goals apiece. And everyone was saying, oh, you know, it's, uh, everyone was expecting, sorry, um, for the game to break out eventually. You know, not it's not often, you know, the game stays as cagey as that. But credit to Adelaide. They kept it low scoring. They didn't give the dogs any breathing room. And the, the, they kept it close right up until the end. And they came out on top. Tex kicked that sealer. I think he's been great since he's returned. Uh, 
three goals on the weekends. Uh, they've found a gem in Ben Keys as well in the midfield. Oh, yes. He's been fantastic. The keys to success. Yeah. And, yeah, I think there's a lot to like about Adelaide this season and there's a lot to be excited about for the fans as well. There is. Thank you for um, saying I um, I picked it. I did say it on the podcast, but I'll admit I did not tip them. said to you this was a possible upset. I should have tipped them, should have gone with my gut. Mm. Didn't should have. have the courage. I should have done. You didn't it, really call it, did you? No. Well, then maybe I didn't call it. I did say <laughs> I, I did. Well, the thing that surprised me actually, because I said I think the forward line may be too good for the uh, for the dogs' back line, which is why I th- and and they were it proved. But also the crows' back line was just as impressive. I thought. I mean, butts. How good's he been mm. today? Frampton. They're just stepping up. They're doing a really good job. I'm really impressed with Matthew Nix, the way he's building this team. And, you know, he spoke about it from the start when he got there. He wants to build a finals brand, you know, a tough team that can be tough in the contest and consistent. And we never really saw it at the start. Slowly, slowly, they're building their wins up. Well, they get, they got seven, seven wins last year, I believe. They can, they can get over that. And, you know, keys in the middle, eight clearances, 33 disposals. But when you've got Tex Walker, who's coming back to obviously make a point which he needs to do, but that clutch goal at the end, it's very uh, uncharacteristic of Caleb Daniel to spray one like he did. But still, you've got to finish at a windy Mars stadium. I thought mm-hmm. that, that was a huge win uh, for the Crows, and they should be proud of that. Uh, they took 16 marks inside 50, which I did um, I did think would be the case. They'd get a few marks in there, but the Dogs only took eight, which is mm-hmm. which is which is shocking, yeah. to be honest. There's problems all over the field for the Dogs, and normally we say the midfield, at least the midfield's stable, uh, but even that... Uh, wasn't great. So there's a lot of room to improve. Yes, they're a little bit depleted and things happened off field during the week, some sad things, but every team has excuses. So mm. I, I think, you know, at this point in time, a lot of the, a lot of people picked them for the flag because of what they achieved last year. And it's been an, an, an utter failure, I think, so far. So pressure is on um, the man in charge, Gordo. Yeah. You're looking like you want to um, rip into him. <laughs> Not rip into him. I just oh. think... Who do you think's had the uh, most disappointing start to the season so far? Is it the Doggies, is it the Power, or is it the Bombers? Uh, the Power for me. The Power for me. Um, yeah. They lost five in a row. Yes, they beat. They got an easy kill on the weekend. But they're more because they, this was the season where, you know, yeah, we, they were always performing in home and away. They were always, you know, finished first and second, beating the teams they should. This was the one where they launch and uh, – it was the time to win the flag. So to start five and zip is, is very disappointing. But I think the dogs as well are a close second for me. Mm. Yeah, there's not much separating them. But I'd probably just maybe just have the dogs ahead of the port at the moment as the most disappointing team because they were in the grand final and mm. this year was meant to be the year where they take that next step. And, um, yeah, they clearly they haven't and they've yeah. lost a lot of disappointing games. I got they feel it. a bit. They oh, feel sorry. a bit um, Leicester City like for me to you know mix codes and mix sports, but it's like it's a it's a run that happened. The same thing that happened in 2016. They went on the run. They they won. They won the whole thing. They won the Premiership. The next year they dropped off. And I just feel like mm. the club is not built with foundations. They're not. They're not a big club, and I don't feel like they ever will be a big club. Whereas like when Melbourne you know reaches the pinnacle, they then have this foundation set. They're going to be there for like the next you know three to five years. When Richmond did it. When Hawthorne did it. When Geelong did it. When all these clubs seem to get up there, they seem to stay up there for at least, you know, three to five years and they have a, have a proper tilt at, you know, winning a couple when they get there. Whereas the doggy seem to go this massive peak, 
ride the wave at the right time, get as far as they can, and they just drop off because there's no like sustainability around their system or their club or whatever it is. So it's very strange because like doesn't usually doesn't usually seem to happen that way in AFL except for the doggies. So it'd be mm. very frustrating to be a doggies fan, I think. Yeah, well, well, Gordo, you uh, you don't like coaches. You like when they get sacked. So that's obviously a highlight that uh, Bevo is under the pump. But what was another highlight for you over the weekend? My my highlight was uh, Anzac Day crowds for the whole round were very, oh, yeah. very good. But yep. the two MCG games, uh, 70,000 on Anzac Day Eve for Melbourne mm-hmm. versus Richmond, a lovely, lovely game now, especially with the nighttime ceremony, arguably yep. just as moving as the daytime ceremony the day after. And then if you round it up a little bit, 85,000 there at the MCG in the sunshine on Monday. How good. And uh, I'm sure the pubs were were full as well to watch there after everyone's been marching and paying their respects. So it's just mm. nice to see people feel confident now that they can go back out and mm. watch the games in the flesh. And it's just it's just better when that routine. We're about to get into a lot of games that traditional Friday to Sunday um, routine of you know knock off work, get into the weekend. You know when the games are on for a fair amount of games anyway, and get into that routine of actually getting out to the game, going to the motions of the winter that is. AFL season and just, yeah, getting back to normalcy. So that was very good to see. It was good to see everyone turn out. Look, it surprised me a little bit. Like I was always confident we'd get a good crowd, but to have 85 is obviously the highest crowd of the season by a fair stretch. I think we had 70-odd in round one for Richmond-Carlton, but then it dipped off really significantly. Mm. And then when it was Melbourne-Richmond on Sunday night, I think it was 72. That was, yeah, the highest. And then I was thought, oh, geez, maybe we'll, we'll crack close to 75-ish, but to get 85 is fantastic. Hopefully it does. Hopefully people come back. Now, there's been a lot of issues coming back to the 40. A lot of They're understaffed, so there's a lot of lines. And then, you know, the talk of is it too hard to get a ticket, all the technology with that, COVID, everything. I, I hope that people start. I, this is the start of that going back to it. Did you um, – you've both been to the 40 this year. Have you found an issue with, with anything like, you know, lines, understaffed, getting to the ground, transport? I suppose it depends on what you want out of the game. Like, I think the the blessing and the curse is that as much as we say that Melbourne's the home of sport, we don't have state-of-the-art stadiums. Like, you know, we're not we're not going to the MGM Grand to watch a boxing match where, like, everything's schmick and nice and it's all just, like, click your fingers and it arrives. Like, mm. ever since we've been going to the football, it is, you know, it's cold chips, it's it's... Half strength beers, it's bit of a queue, it's it's hard to get in, it's a cold rainy day at the walk to the train station, all that stuff. So I think you're kind of used to it. Like your expectations are pretty we're not that far removed from like the suburban footy days. But like if you were trying to get someone else new like new to the game in there, then you would be like, Why am I here? I could just go to a mm. restaurant or a pub, be warm, have better food, have better beverages easier access or watch, and just watch it on tv or watch it on home and just not even leave it all so yeah. i understand yeah. that argument yeah. but i also think most of the people that go to the games are the ones that would go to the would go to the games so it's kind of like a catch me too on like where do you spend the money and do you upgrade all the stadiums do you spend these millions and millions of dollars when our game's not that big in comparison to the international games mm. nicholas you love complaining and you've complained a lot about the stadium so far what's your experience been like in 2022 uh, well I, I, you've you can definitely notice a difference, like a negative difference. Like the lines are bigger outside because it takes uh, people longer to, you know, scan the QR code, check in, mm. get scanned, check the bags, etc. Um, and then obviously there's staff shortages at the food stores and at the bars and all that. And that's been felt all around Australia. I think it happened mm. again in Perth this weekend. There was a few staff shortages. But um, 
that's just, you know, what we have to go through for the current times. And I'd much rather, you know, have to deal with, you know, a few longer lines and, and actually be able to attend the footy rather than uh, sit at home and be away from everyone. So, mm. yeah, I think we just need to, you know, suck it up for now and eventually it'll go back to the way it was. Um, but, yeah, it, it's not going to stop me from going to the games. No, you'd uh, walk over broken glass to go see your hawkers. We all know that. Good job. <laughs> I had a highlight uh, of the weekend. Uh, it was Fremantle, which I thought I thought God I would have mentioned because they're out, they are his boys, and he called this two years ago. They are looking very, very good, very, very dangerous. Um, I thought Carlton were equally as poor, but the Dockers are playing good football. Um, and, you know, when Pitternet went out, obviously it hurts when Silvani's not there and Tom DeConning does the... Uh, does a ruck work and and they lose the hit outs fifty to eighteen, but still, um, they they dominated all areas of the park and I think you know fifty six inside fifties to thirty eight. They're eventually going to get there over the line, and I thought the back line held up well. And we spoke about well, when Longmuir came in first, he said he wants to play a better brand of football. We didn't see it immediately. It took a while because I think he wanted to shore up the defence, which is kind of the same trend for Melbourne, you know, when they wanted to get the fence right first and then you can start attacking because it will result to scores. And we've seen it, like we're seeing it this year. They haven't had a, a massive win against a big team, but the biggest challenge here was to be consistent and Carlton were coming over to prove a point, probably their biggest game of the season, to say if we want to be the real deal here, Carlton, we've got to win this game. This is to prove to our fans and prove to the AFL world that it's not just same old Carlton. We're going to going over there to win. They put up a bit of a challenge, but Frio matched it, and I thought they had a fantastic uh, performance. Alex Pierce down back. I mean, he took care of uh, Charlie Curno and Harry Mackay. Uh, Luke Ryan was good. And then they've got the small boys up forward as well. Schultz, he kicked three. Uh, Switkowski kicked two. Michael Walters. Rory Lobb is a, uh, is a damaging player. And just remember that Nat Fife's not in there yet as well. Mm. So just there's a lot of good things to come uh, for the Dockers. It's interesting to think about where Nat Fife will play because I remember at the start of the season he said um, he wants to be a full-time on baller, like that's his mm. choice. But if you're Justin, you might think, well, maybe we'll chuck him up forward for a bit. Don't play him in the middle as much. He's going to be a weapon for them. Yep. So if they can continue this Frio, they're, um, I mean, they're sitting second now. Boys, how far can they go? I mean, Gordo thinks they've already won the flag. But Nico, very quickly, how far, how far can Frio go? Well, they can definitely make finals. It's definitely on the oh, cards yeah. for them. I don't, how far they can go in finals, I'm not sure. I think Geelong will be a big test for them this week. But like you said, you know, Nat Five still to come in. So who knows? And now he's coming in. Um, like in, in the past, he's been a player that they've had to rely on, I guess, to win games of footy and to be competitive. Now he's coming in to be the cream, the cream on top of what uh, uh, Longmuir has already got there. So... It's going to be interesting. They could be a very hard team to beat, especially, you know, you wouldn't want to be playing them in finals time over there in Perth. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think they can, they're capable of winning a final if they get that home final or even if, you know, they play away. I think they can go deep in September for sure. Yeah, Gordo, is it back to back to back for them? Oh, obviously. No, no. <laughs> but I'll, I'll go I'll go outrageous for you, Jimmy. You yeah, want something yeah, outrageous from me? Yes. I are. So I think that obviously they play finals this year, guaranteed. That's, yes, yeah, I, on, oh, I agree. That's, I agree. They're, they're, five, they're five and one. Like, you, pretty hard to miss them there. Exactly. They will win at least one final. And if Ooh. they don't, I will buy a membership and a jersey of the club that beats them. Oh, okay. I like that. I like that. We'll remember this. We'll remember this. We'll write <laughs> got a it down. clip on that. And I'm sure, <laughs> yeah, we'll clip that up. And I'm sure Frank and Dario, our, uh, 
our two number one fans are <laughs> writing this down as well. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I agree. I mean, they're going to play it in uh, in Perth every second week, and with that confidence, surely they're going to yeah. the second now they're going to play finals. So it's interesting to see how far they can go. And we have seen in previous years anyone can do it. It's it's often the teams you don't suspect, isn't it? When the doggies won it, Richmond won it, Melbourne we doubted for so long, but then they got over the line. So you just never never know. Uh, quick word on the Blues though for that game. Got to be really, really um, annoyed as a Carlton supporter. It feels like same old Carlton again, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely. Yeah. It feels like a step back. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure what's what the issue is over there at the moment. Like they've had two games. I feel like where the two games where they've sorry had to travel interstate, they've got got them blown out and i've got a little bit of, th- of a theory with carlton at the oh, moment yeah i like this um they, they start the season off round one against richmond and uh obviously you know coming into round one every team's hopeful of the season ahead mm-hmm. so they get the win you know the monkeys off the back against richmond first yep. win against them in eight years whatever crowds up and about so much momentum going into round two they come out in round two against the doggies they beat the doggies in the first uh, half, mm-hmm. and then they start. Uh, they showed signs of dropping off they in the did. second half. As doggies they, kick uh, straight, they lose that game. They had opportunities. The dogs there. We'll be back after a quick break. That's it. They did. They did. And then against Hawthorne, I feel like going back to the MCG, again, their fans were there. Um, they started the game off really well with that first quarter, then dropped off as the team, uh, as Hawthorne started to challenge them. They didn't really have an answer for them. Round four, they go to Gold Coast. No fans in the crowd. No, I mean, not as many Carlton fans in the crowd. Uh, and they didn't even show up. They didn't play one good quarter of footy, I didn't think. Come back to Melbourne, you know, they got to bounce back. Home crowd, they respond in the uh, first quarter, the first half, they blew Port Adelaide away and then obviously dropped off as Port Adelaide started to, you know, get some momentum going. Mm-hmm. So, and then obviously, again, just like the, against Gold Coast, they go into state. Not as many Carlton fans there didn't play a quarter. So I reckon... Carlton this season have just been uh, riding a wave of momentum with their fans. And uh, I guess they've been playing good footy, but they're just not channeling that over four quarters. And yeah, they haven't. I mean, they haven't put in week. a four-quarter effort, have they? Even, even round one against the Tigers, they didn't. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's quite interesting. It seems like they're only really playing when, you know, the – it sounds stupid, but when the crowd's up and about on their on their side, and you know they've got that momentum behind them, but when that momentum dies off, they've got no plan B, hmm. and yeah, it's a challenge for Voss. It is, and Pitnet's going to be out for a while as well, which hurts them. Uh, so you know, in the ruck, if you if you're losing that much, and then when they do get it in, they only took seven marks inside fifty 
um, which which doesn't help. So, yeah, interesting one for the Blues. Um, They're not, not too built sure. on any like really properly strong foundation either. Like you look at look at what's changed since you know round three. First three rounds, they were the second best contested team. Only only team better was Melbourne, and they use that yeah. energy, but it's a high energy style of game to like crash and bash the midfield. But mm. they were still ranked sixteenth for scores considered inside their own fifty. Then you go forward yeah. for the last three rounds, rounds four to six. All of a sudden, they've dropped down to eighth contested possessions. They lose mm. Cripps. Cripps comes back, but they you know they travel away. They lose that energy. They lose that momentum. But they're still ranked sixteenth for conceding scores inside their inside their own fifty. And so they haven't fixed the problem, and they've lost their strength. And now they're where they are on the ladder. So mm. they've got some they've got some work to do. That's for sure. Well, there we go. We've got another low light. That wasn't a low light, um, but it's a good segue to Gordo's low light, uh, which we'll get to after Nick's low light because I'll go to Nick first. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. Uh, my low light for the weekend had to be uh, the injury to Jack Hayes. Extremely oh, yeah. disappointing to see him go down uh, with an ACL. Um, and obviously, Hayes has made a huge impact for the Saints um, in this early part of the season. Obviously, the 26-year-old Ruckman forward, came into the AFL system through the supplementary um, uh, period at mm. the start. He wasn't picked up in the draft or anything. He was overlooked, you know. He's had okay. a different journey to the top. And to see him go down and, um, yeah, miss the rest of the seasons, is a, it's sad to see. And yep. um, it's been strange because uh, we've lost – there's been a lot of injuries to Ruckman this year. I guess today Even this it came week. out that um, – Grundy's going to miss 10 to 12 weeks. Oh, Pitt damn it, you stole my low light. Yes, yep. that was my low light. Oh, sorry. No, that's fine. I was, yeah, and Pitnet two to three months. Nick yeah. Nat's been out. Uh, he's going to miss another 12 or so weeks. English got uh, injured uh, before last mm. weekend's game. Uh, he's going to miss a month, I think. Hickey and Naismith missing for Sydney. Mm. Lysette's missing for Port. He'll be out for a while. McAvoy as well for Hawthorne. He won't be back until the second half of the season. Reeves did his shoulder last week. Segler for Geelong. And yeah. then Kruger got subbed off for Collingwood yesterday. And yeah, I think he's, he'll be out. Yeah. He'll be out. For Sean while. Darcy subbed off a of Freo. Yeah. Moral of the story, don't be tall. I think it's time for the short blokes yeah, to rule the world. But yeah, yeah no. Dropping it's, like, yeah. dropping like flies. They are. Um, and Soldo, he's missing for Richmond too, isn't he? Yeah, he got dropped. Uh, but that's oh, right. He'll be back. He'll be back. He'll be back. <laughs> Relax. Um, yeah, he's surely sore as well. That's why. That's a good excuse. No, I think Eddie's- Marshall was another one. He looked very injured on Friday night. Yeah he, yeah, he was injured as well, which is why Josh Battle had to ruck. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't think he won a tap, but he did. He battled hard. That's right. Uh, pardon the pun. He actually put in a real, real fight. He said he, he doesn't like playing in the ruck at all, but he had to for his team, got him over the line. So mm. shout out for battle. Just quickly on Jack Hayes, I don't know if you did see, but they did promise him that he will get a contract for next year. Yeah. So they've already promised him that. So that's fantastic for him because obviously as soon as he does his ACL, he goes, my God, my dream's over. It just started. He was a mm. tradie you know, a few months ago, and now he's, he, yeah. he got a contract for St. Kilda. And then he's done his ACL. So Brett Ratton said yeah. um, after or in a presser that the club will move ASAP uh, to secure him uh, for a long time. And then they, the club did come out and say that he will get a, a contract going on. So good on the, thanks for doing that. I Absolutely. That Very classy. Very classy from them. Gordo, you're always classy, except when you reveal your low light. What is it? So no surprise, but my low light's the Giants. <laughs> oh, you hate, and again, you hate Leon Cameron. Well, I don't hate Leon Cameron, but 
Is he you the Mourinho beanie for him as well today? Is he the Mourinho of of AFL footy? No, because he's he never just, won anything. Well, True. but there you go, there you go. That's that's just it. Because then he's lost. He's lost the team. He's, he's he has lost them. Lost he's lost them because they're not like they have too much talent on their list, and the stats back it up. Like they're the number four best uncontested team in the in in the competition. They have like exceptional. Oh, they chip it around the half back line. But that's right. They have exceptional usage rates. They know how to use the football. They could transition it, but they've just lost all kind of structure and way and organization. You saw during the game on the weekend, like Proust should have had a field day. He was up against mm. no one in the rock and he's tapping it directly to St Kilda players. Like the yeah. midfield has no idea. The forward line and, you know, Toby, Toby Green's back, but like they can't even use him to their advantage. Backline's got no organization. And it just, there's too many good players in that team to play mm. this poorly consistently. And it, that's when you just go, like it's, it's done. Like the run is done. Everyone's sick of each other. To start again, because that's just, what just that's it. Just give up. <laughs> just well, not give up. Them. He's like Leon. They, need, they for, need a new voice. Absolutely, he's been there for ten it. years, yeah, and now years. it's finally run out. It's but finally, the clubs come. Finally him and the club have come out and said they're they're going to push it back to the end of the season. Oh, don't you? That's don't you? that's that's pointless. It is pointless. pointless. You reckon? Yeah, like, if, if they're saying it's the right thing to do, it's the wrong thing to do. You okay. love using relationship analogies in uh in sporting terms, Jimmy. Do this I? is like when you're having a fight with your partner but you don't want to acknowledge it. So you just eat dinner in silence every night for like <laughs> six months before you finally say, let's just, let's just leave. That's what yeah. they're doing now. The players and the coaches are, are eating their pasta and drinking their red wine in complete silence every night after training and just been like, why, why are we still here? Mm, That's what they're asking yeah. themselves. Yeah. 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 No, no. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, they don't look, you said about the skills, they don't look like they're using them well at all. And maybe that's a mentality thing. They were the Ferrari, weren't they? Yeah. They used to have all the players. And not much has changed, to be honest, either with their In playing. terms of personnel. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. You're right. I'd, yeah. I don't think, I don't think they've been good whatsoever. I mean, a few weeks ago, actually, I think it was two weeks ago, maybe Cameron Ling uh, on his podcast said uh, that GWS are the junk food of the AFL. They're okay for a small little sugar hit. Might do well for a while, but they won't sustain it. They, they're not consistent for mm. a period well, of time. To back him up a on, a, on a weird analogy, they, they are the worst fourth quarter side in the competition. They've yet to win a fourth quarter. Well, there you go. So yeah. they just don't have that desire to run out games even. It's yeah. like, and they can't that. be a professionalism thing. Like these are, yeah. again, elite picks. They, they're an AFL standard team. They, would have, they used to have AFL standard training and fitness, but they're yet to win a single fourth quarter so mm. that's just that is just dedication and commitment on the opposite end Fremantle Zion. are the only team to win every fourth quarter mm. that's hunger that's hunger that's hunger that's hunger and that's good food that's the healthy food <laughs> that's right yeah the competition that's your kale. GI. They're the kale of the competition is yeah. Fremantle. and if you look at um if you look at other teams as well like adelaide and collingwood and hawthorne mm. who have half the amount of talent that gws do and they're you know scraping out wins and upsetting teams mm. how are gws not doing it with the talent that they do have yeah it's got to it has to be the coach it has to be so, or the coaching yeah. setup, or just like the system, or something, but just like gotta freshen it up. Yeah, freshen it up. Freshen it up. Yeah, Get I some agree. fruit in there. Get some fruit in your diet, Davis. Yep. Yes, I agree. A low light for me. A couple of them. Oh, it's just the pies price. What they paid Grundy and Kruger injuries. It hurts. You talked about that already, Nico. But he did. He you got him over the line in the end, Brady Grundy. Mm. And after that Broke. knee knock, mm. could be out for uh, up to three months. Uh, they're saying is a possibility. Uh, he copped that knock, obviously, to uh, in the contest with Sam Draper. And, uh, yeah, 10 to 12 weeks because of the PCL. 
Um, so that the, it does hurt uh, the pies, but he put his body on the line and he, and he got them over the line. So it's a little bit of a, a low light for me. Like we said, we want to see the best players out there, don't we? And, uh, and uh, it's a shame when those things happen. Hey, boys, we always like to involve our listeners um, in the show. First one, though, we'll go back to Frankie, the pie fanatic, who Gordon says is the number one listener, number one fan. And he said, <coughs> sorry, uh, hot pies. I'm still hungover after the win. Beers went down well. So he was excited. Frankie went to the footy yesterday. Obviously, the Anzac Day clash had a few frothies and uh, he's a bit hungover. So that was the short message from him. But we'll go back to his favorite five flutters, the first segment of his, uh, of his, which he just created for himself and just sent it in, which is great. I encourage everyone to do that. He had Toby Green to kick three or more as an X. He had Port Adelaide to win. That's a tick. He had Fremantle to win one to 39. That's a tick. He had Nick Dacos to win the medal. That's a cross. He had Geelong to win by 40-plus. That's a tick. What do you give him overall, boys? First effort? Uh, I'd say it's a, it's a B+. B-plus. B-plus. Three out of five is not bad. He got, he got the good ones, and then the ones he went out on limb on, he missed out on. So, so we'll look forward to that. On, uh, he'll send another one on on Thursday. But... Someone who uh, who was pretty disappointed in Gordo last week for saying Frankie was the number one fan. Well, you sent out a, a challenge to him and you said, Dario, if you want to do your own segment, you send us out one. And he sent an audio message to us and here it is. Jimmy, Nico, Judas, I mean Gordo, sorry about that. Dario here from Buxton Ashburton, another real estate agent who loves the podcast, love your work, guys. Look, I know you guys have been begging me to do a segment. It will be coming. I'm just uh, fine-tuning it. And it'll be much better than Frankie's, Five Floppers or whatever it's called because I watch other teams other than Collingwood. Anyway, my question for the week, though, was yesterday's Anzac Day match the worst quality Anzac Day match we have seen? Love to hear your thoughts. There you go. Well, Judas, there's a lot to unpack there. Lots uh, to unpack there, but that's all right. You can you can go first, Judas. What do you reckon? Well, to, to stoke the fire a little bit, and this is all tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, <laughs> Tyson Fury came out on the weekend and, and you know, took the contender head on and knocked him out quick smart and, you know, got his business done. That's, that's possibly what Big Frankie did. Yeah. Big Frankie okay. said he's going to do something. He made it very <laughs> public, the Gypsy King. Or, you know, the, re- the real estate king come out and said, I'm going to give you a segment. Oh, no, he gave us a segment. Dario came out and he ducked the fight. He said, Ooh. oh, my status not ready yet. I'm sorry. You know, it's coming soon, but here's a question anyway. <laughs> that's all right, but you're still in training camp. So you can't be number one. You can't wear the belt unless you come to the fight with a segment. Ooh. So following Tyson Fury's step, you know, mid-round knockout, that's what you need to give us. Bang, bang. In terms oh, of um, yeah, the actual question, me. though, mm. Uh, I don't know. In terms of a neutral spectacle, close games are much better to watch the blowouts. Yeah. So of the last, well, this was Anzac Day game number 27, I believe. We've had 15 games with a margin of less than four goals and 12 games with a margin of more than four goals, and lots mm. of those have been like 40-plus. So I'd say in terms of spectacle, it's been a lot worse Anzac Day games. Mm. But um, it is kind of tough to get G'd up you watch the pre-match, you, you watch all the ceremony and you're like, yeah, I'm ready for like a grand final experience. And then you get like 16th versus 12th and you're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm just watching some regular Saturday afternoon footy. So I can understand why some people would be like, that wasn't very good. But 
at least it was close and interesting. Mm. No, had some spectacle about it. I th- I th- sorry, Nick, I'll, I'll get to you in a second. I thought it was actually a, a good message, by the way, Dario. Thanks, thanks for that. But, yeah, we're waiting for your segment. If you're going to talk a game, big game, then we want to we see it. Okay, we want to see that segment. And there's, <laughs> there's a lot of tension there, I think, between between him and, uh, and Judas and also Frankie at Woodard. It's, just, it's, uh, it's getting heated. Uh, second thing is I thought it was well, – Marge didn't blow out to over three goals at all during the contest. Mm. It was always close. It was back and forth. I thought there was. I thought both teams put in a lot of effort. Just quickly on Essendon, I think we saw that their their quality is not up there. Um, they can't yeah. be questioned for their effort. I thought they were good, and they were better around the contest, which is what they've been challenged on. Um, they're not a fantastic side. Neither is Collingwood. They're not a top four side. I thought they put on a pretty good, uh, a, a decent game of football. I might be wrong from what I saw, but I, I thought it was okay. I thought it was exciting, um, and so I don't think it was one of the worst. What I do remember though is. I think 2002, when Mark McGough won the Anzac medal, 33 to 66, that was a pretty poor game. And I was pissing down rain, but that wasn't a great one. And then I think it was 2015, uh, 49 to 69, uh, low scoring game. Seedsman won the Anzac medal that game. And if he won it, my God, that was struggling. No, no, he's a good player. But I, I think there were poorer games. I don't think yeah. it was the poorest, but it wasn't the best either. The, the skills weren't, weren't great, but that's what can happen when the pressure's on. I think so. I didn't think it was that bad. Nico, what do you what do you reckon? I can't really comment on the game, to be honest, because I, I can't say I watched it from go oh, to O, but uh, yeah, after pig. that Hawthorne game, I kind of had enough of footy for the weekend, to be <laughs> oh, honest. No. Um, but it's not it's not something new that we hear about, that the Collingwood Essendon game on Anzac Day isn't a great spectacle. I mean, it hasn't been great for a while, and it, it's highlighted in, uh, I guess, the marketing for the Anzac Day game every year. They always reuse the same clip of Zaharakis <laughs> kicking that winning goal, and mm. um, I mean, just to just for comparison, if you wanted, you know, if the promoter is trying to promote Easter Monday, uh, the Hawthorne Geelong could uh, promotion and ad can go for ten minutes because there's so many highlights over the years. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is. Um, was North Melbourne, North Melbourne get criticised that they should uh, lose Good Friday. Mm. Uh, maybe it's time to freshen up Anzac oh, Day. Don't a bit. you dare get rid of Collingwood Essendon. Don't you dare bring in anyone else. I don't care, but I guess maybe Hawthorne Geelong deserve the spotlight oh, a bit please. more. And put put Essendon and Collingwood on Easter Monday. There you go. <laughs> so I like to hear Frankie's <laughs> thoughts on that. <laughs> in a in in defence of, of the scheduling, it's unlike Easter Monday where you get the standalone game. This game often gets wrapped up into multiple games on Anzac Day now. Like well, it has wasn't, was, whenever wasn't, it falls on a weekend or something like that. Yeah, this wasn't yeah. the standalone game. And like last year, it was like three games for the equivalent match. And, and that was COVID and blah, 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 blah. But like, it's not like it's a, a standalone blockbuster game each, each, you know, each public holiday. So, and it's also tough because, you know, the first edition, 1995, was, was a beautiful draw, 95,000 there. And they'll never beat that. They'll never beat that game. That That's was a, that was a perfect game, and they've already clocked it. So every game will be less awesome than the first there's, one. There's so always been tough. big moments, like we remember those. Mo- I mean, Zaharakis is, is probably the biggest one, to be honest. But mm-hmm. I think they always. The thing is, Nico, uh, you should be ashamed of yourself because those two teams will always get a big crowd, no matter where they are on the ladder. 
It's not like Hawthorne that come but out. For Anzac Day, them. yes. For Anzac Day, they would because it's Anzac <laughs> Day. But if it wasn't Anzac Day, like well, they've played we're not each talking other. about if it's not no, Anzac but, Day. No, but you're saying, I'm saying, you know, they've faced each other twice in a season, Collingwood and Essendon, <laughs> and they never repeat it with 89,000. Of course you don't because it's Anzac Day and it's a special occasion. Exactly and right. And that, that would happen with any uh, teams playing on Anzac you, Day. You I can't take it away from them. And also, Kevin Sheedy was the one who... Uh, had the, they, there was always there was always footy on Anzac Day. It was just never a like a um, a, a marquee or a blockbuster yeah. standalone, which is what they did in '95, and that was when it started. Mm-hmm. But um, you can't take it away from them, Nico. You should be ashamed of yourself, and uh, and they deserve it because they no matter what happens. I mean, even and I listened to Malthouse during the week, right? And I loved his speech and what he said, and and he was talking about the honor of playing for the day and and that sort of thing. And he said it's either victory. Or disgrace, and you've got to go out there and use the Anzac spirit to fight. And he uses a, a lot of war and analogy, analogies, and some people don't like it, but still, I think every, every Anzac day we see that it's very rare that teams don't have that effort. And I think even if the skills aren't fantastic, if there is a bit of a blowout, you want to see effort and you want to see people fighting for the contest. And I thought that's what we saw on the weekend. And we see these little stories like Jack Ginevan come out 10 games he's played and he comes out and and uh and and uh performs on the uh, on the big occasion the big stage so i thought it was good i like this game and uh, i think we should keep it but if you think otherwise um nick put out the challenge to frank what do you reckon about putting geelong and hawthorne on anzac day instead he reckons they're better contests so let us know what you think it would be I'll interesting be interested that's for sure. <laughs> hey some quick questions to finish off boys what's been a really good episode enjoyable one um Port Adelaide, easy kill. Uh, will that easy kill turn their season around? No. No? No from Gloria? No. no. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. It, it's hard to say. Um, I guess they're, they're slowly getting some players back, but, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, we, we have to wait and see on that one. I'm going to reserve my judgment, but don't, I, I don't think so. Yeah, you don't get anything from a win that big after losing five games in a row. That's like... That's it's like amateur, it's amateur football where you play like the bottom side and you're second bottom and you beat them by 100 points because everyone beats them by 200. Like it's, it doesn't mean anything. They would, oh. they, if they lost to West Coast, they could just all give up and like take the year off. But like mm. they didn't. They won it and there you go. But like they didn't learn anything from that. They weren't challenged. Their structures weren't pressed, anything like that. So, yeah. no. After the first quarter, it was a complete blowout. It was a training, yeah. it was a training drill. Of these they, weeks, that's challenging. So they just transitioned so mm. easily. Yep, no, fair enough. Uh, did the umps get the descent rule right this week? <sighs> not on um, Friday night, they did. <laughs> there was one example that wasn't great. <laughs> uh, not on Friday night, and you can tell that they started to put the whistle away a bit, I think, across the rest of the weekend because they didn't like the uh, the spotlight, and rightly so. I think it, Friday night was ridiculous. It has okay, to yeah, be there was the worst. Mistake there. Yep. It's the worst gig in, in, in sports. Being yeah, an umpire, umpire, I reckon, because they change the rules or the interpretations week on week, and then it's like fans are two weeks behind, and they're saying, "Well, hang on, he put his arms out. Why aren't you paying that?" And it's like, "Oh, no, we stopped paying that two weeks ago. Didn't you hear the memo from Brad Scott on a Monday, hidden away on yeah. some kind of live stream on AFL.com.au?" It's kind of like, yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. Oh, there you go. No, I, look. To be honest, I thought the the umps and the players got it right this weekend. It, you know the the argument that it's a a um like it's going to be impossible for players not to put their arms up or not to show dissent it is wrong i mean it's already been a week and we saw players stopping yeah. we like they did a good job of it it's hard it's an emotional game 
but that was at least we saw consistency. I thought there was mm, yeah, there yeah. was one example of it on where they where they mucked up. He made a mistake, a clear mistake on Friday night. Other than that, I don't think. And the word crisis got thrown around last week, like like the game was never going to be the same. It's terrible. Like you know that that was just overblown. I thought it was umpired well, other than one clear and obvious mistake. I thought it was. I okay. would love Players to see what the. I'd love to see what the Fox Footy Studios would do if someone just like popped a handstand like Mark Wacko Jacko did back in the day. <laughs> yeah, the over an umpire kick. call. Just yeah. do a donkey kick in, in disgust. <laughs> you know, I didn't yeah. use my hands, so it can't be 50. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's true. Uh, will North win a game this season? They'll win one. And, be- and bear, in mind, bear in mind, sorry, <laughs> after they, they beat West Coast, yeah. they win another game this season, but they do not play West Coast again. Just bear that in mind. Yeah. They will. Um, I'll win one more. Sure, they, they they probably will, but it doesn't uh, deny the fact that they're the worst team in AFL history. <laughs> in AFL history, so worse than Fitzroy. They're yeah, just... I think they're pretty bad because I mean, again, like you got to compare them to Adelaide because that's where them and Adelaide were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, rebuilding at the same, same time. Yeah, last year or the year and the year before, and. Look at the vast difference between them now. Uh, Adelaide's just left North in the dust and North have shown no signs of improvement and no signs of hope, really. I mean, they're just getting battered every single week now. So, um, they beat the Eagles. Yeah, get, they beat a waffle side and that's probably their level at the moment. <laughs> they, they've got three gettable games left this year, I reckon. Is so one of them round 14 when they have to buy? Because I don't know about <laughs> that. Boom, boom, ching. <laughs> uh, round nine against Port at Bloodstone. Okay, well. Round 15 against Adelaide at Bloodstone. Ooh. And then round 23, the last round at Marvel against the Gold Coast who don't win games after mm. round 12. Okay. So there's I think they play Hawthorne at Bloodstone as well. They do. They do. That'll be your going away game, Nico. You have to win that one. Yeah, you I mean, surely you can't lose to North then. I don't think any, honestly, I, I don't know. I, I don't think anyone can lose to this North side, to be honest. But <laughs> there's always an upset. There's well, always Nico, an upset. Say it now. If you have to put your house on it, are they going to win one or not? They, they always will. I mean, North uh, Adelaide started the season. What was it? Zero and fifty. Yeah, but you said this is the worst side in AFL history. Adelaide yeah. wasn't getting pumped by 60 points regularly. Week yeah, and you can't compare now that you've just branded them the worst side ever. So are they going to win one you, or not? You... <laughs> uh, no, they will win one. They will win one. I can't well, say they won't because okay. upsets do happen in footy. But, um, yeah, it right. doesn't, change, doesn't change mine. Fair enough. Yeah. Last question, boys. End off on a good note. Last time Sydney beat Hawthorne in Tassie, they went on and won the flag. That was 2012, and they played Hawthorne in that grand final. Can they do it again, Sydney? Uh, they can. I, I think they are one of maybe three genuine contenders for the flag this year, as well Mel- as Melbourne, Melbourne Brisbane. and Brisbane, yeah. and that's okay. about it. All right. They can do it. Mm. They're your three. Gordo, do you agree with that? You were nodding furiously. I do agree. I do agree. Because I think the fourth side's Geelong, but I think we have a yeah. long history of Geelong not getting it done when it matters in the week mm. before the grand funnel. So, yep. yeah, I think they're the ones. And they, they're the ones with a bit of a point of difference as well. Obviously, Melbourne's the benchmark. Brisbane's, you know, been there the last couple of years and they're ready to make their step up and contend, hopefully. And then Sydney's the the bolter that's making playing a bit differently and doing some things a bit differently too and for different, different demographic, different... Set up, so yeah. 
And there's your Fremantle as well, obviously. Yeah, they're a smoky, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have them up. There's contenders. Yeah, they're probably yet. in the same category as maybe St Kilda, I think, yeah, yeah. Frio. Second. As they could, they could take that next step. Um, yep. yeah, yeah, they're they're a smoky. I like it, boys. Well done. This was a good episode. Really appreciate your company, and I appreciate everyone who's tuned in. Special thanks to our listeners, Frank and Dario, and the rest of them. Uh, everyone, get involved. James.sabo at sportsmatemobile.com or hashtag footy live. Get involved. Give us feedback. Send abuse to Nick. He loves it. And we will chat to you at the end of the week to preview a big round seven. See you guys.